Hi, I'm Valerie Moisel. Over 20 years ago, I co-founded my company with a creative spark, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a fearless attitude. I've long dreamed of sharing a space where I can interview successful women and hear them talk from their hearts about how they found their way. What I'm learning is it's not such a linear path. We all have what I call the four S's, the initial spark, the snag which trips you up, the shift that helps you find your way to the final S, success. No, not always in that order, and yes, sometimes the steps repeat. Together, we will learn from each other and be inspired. These are women who rule. This is She Dynasty. Hi, welcome back to She Dynasty. Today, I am so fortunate to be interviewing Kenya Avery Knight, the president and founder of the Los Angeles-based New Model Management. New Models has been around for over 20 years, and Kenya has been a true visionary and voice in the boutique modeling industry. I'm equally excited to introduce today's co-host, Faux Porter. Faux is a model who was actually discovered on America's Next Top Model and then signed to New Model Management by Kenya and her team. Faux is also a passionate and prominent body activist. Hi, Faux. It's so great to be talking with you. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so honored to be here, and it's such a, you know, a great moment to talk about all this. So, yeah. Last night, I was looking at some of your photos and your portfolio showing my two daughters. I have two girls, one oh. who's 15 and one was 12, and I just loved, loved their reaction to what they saw. Oh. So my oldest one said, wow, she's so real and natural looking. Oh. And... Um, my other daughter said, I feel like I could really be friends with her, which I thought was really sweet. And I'm done. My- <laughs> That's all I need to hear. <laughs> That's and so amazing. My younger one was, was so happy because she said, Mom, she has freckles just like Aww. me. And she said, I didn't know that, that models were allowed to have freckles. Oh, we are. And, well, we do. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is like that was such a great moment because that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, yes. right? Yes. So I loved, I loved that she brought that up. That is amazing. I mean, I think that's part of my whole my whole goal in this is to, you know, inspire the younger generation coming in because I definitely wanted that, you know, going into this. So yeah, I, that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. So Fo, tell us, what does it mean exactly to be a prominent body activist? Empowerment. I just feel so incredibly powerful with my voice right now. I think it's also with women, men, we're all in a day and age where everyone's just finding themselves. Like it's okay to be openly gay. It's okay to be openly trans. It's okay to be a curvy woman. So it's just about continuing that message and inspiring a younger generation to keep going with it. 100%. Like that to me is just being a voice. Like I said, amplifying, you know, and this is for everybody who doesn't have a voice, who doesn't feel confident or doesn't feel beautiful. I'm trying to help those people. You know, it's such a different image than what I saw when I was growing up looking at models and magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all I was staring at was toothpick girls. Everybody was flawless. Everything was symmetrical to the point it was impossible to achieve a look like that. And for some reason, when I look at your pics, you know, I feel more inspired than ever. It's just a lot less pressure. I wish we had models like you when when I was a kid, (laughs) because I feel like I I might be thinking about things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. It's more when I look at your photos, I feel more of your spirit and your energy, your vibe. I feel how comfortable you look in your own skin. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, that's what really makes you radiate with beauty. Thank you. I mean, I could tell you I was a huge dork before I even did modeling. So I never, ever thought of myself as to be a model when I was younger. So I just kind of keep that integrity and, you know, I, I keep it like I was before I started modeling. So that's just my view. I love something that you wrote, and I want to read it to our listeners. So you wrote... I worked very successfully as a straight size model for many years, but as my body changed and clearly wasn't going to get back to where I was at age 19, I started to think about what was next. What would I do if I was not modeling? I trained and received my Pilates certification as a backup plan. Then I got married, grew out my pixie cut into a curly fringe, and I let my natural self shine. More and more, I started eating what I wanted, working out, and being healthy on my own terms. I truly started accepting who I was naturally. So tell us what your idea of beauty was before you had this big revelation. We kind of had this mind like, oh, you have to be this certain size. You kind of have to be like a certain appeal to certain people. Um, so I think beauty for me was just kind of, and I also was a very sporty girl. You know, Kenya knows I was very sporty and athletic. So that was more beauty, was just being powerful, you know. And yeah, I just feel like Sydney Crawford, you know, Tyra Banks, hands down, was, you know, my girl. Ashley Graham is a huge um, point. I mean, any woman that is empowering the curve movement, the be yourself movement, anyone like that for me. And we have a sisterhood, you know, I have made tons of friends and girlfriends from us being in the same, you know, category in a sense. So it's just a sisterhood that I, I love. So yeah. So so do you feel like you got booked more often once you kind of uh, let loose? When the personality aspect started coming in, and I honestly say Aerie was a huge, was a huge factor for me. That was the client that was like, whatever you're doing, we want it to be natural, keep the long hair, keep the curls, you know, be you, and then let's just watch you do it. They're like, all right, Faux is coming on set, we're gonna, you know. I love it. They're an amazing company. They don't do any Photoshopping no, or... No Photoshop, no retouching, no air, like all that stuff. So it's really refreshing and I'm truly happy to be a pioneer in that. Okay, so um, how old are you now? I'm 29. 29 mm-hmm. and still getting booked all the time. Yes, there. I feel like there's no age. I love it. I love it, and I feel like, you know, if time permits, I will go on till I'm 49, you know, 59, whatever it is, I want to be, I want to achieve that, you know. I love that all the rules are being broken. I'm okay with that. I love breaking rules. (laughs) So you also wrote something else that I was a little bit curious about, and so I'm going to ask. You wrote that you think of yourself as a gay boy trapped in a woman's body. (laughs) So when I read it, I kind of paused. I was trying to figure out what you meant. (laughs) Um, Can you explain what this means? And does it have anything to do with gender fluidity? Yes. I feel, I mean, RuPaul is someone I look up to. And yeah, I do feel like I definitely have these quirks. Kenya knows. Kenya, we like, we gag over, you know, the queens. We talk about the queens in Palm Springs and all that. And um, yeah, I, I relate to them. And that's crazy to say as a woman, but I do. The movement of being yourself and feeling and being who you feel inside. That's 100% genuine. And that's what the queens represent. So <laughs> I love it. So are you are you married? I am married. Nice. Um, we got married in October 2016. He's amazing. And he's my biggest fan. So. Nice. All right. Well, I'm very interested, as everybody is, to hear Kenya's perspective on all this. So it's time to introduce her. So welcome, Kenya. Thank you. How are you today? Doing very well, thanks. So I'm so happy we finally made this happen. I know we've been uh, talking for a few months. And here's a little fun fact about Kenya and I. Um, So growing up, uh, her sister was one of my best friends. Her name was Libra. 
And, you know, Kenya, I have to tell you, I remember you as being such an incredibly positive role model. So it doesn't surprise me that you mentor so many young women today. Thank you. And I really appreciate that. That's really nice to hear. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I also have a lot of really great memories about your whole family. I remember your mom, Mauna Loa, Mm -hmm. and um, I remember she used to be obsessed with watching Days of Our Lives. (laughs) And you guys always had such fun names. So you, Kenya, Libra, Mauna Loa. I feel like in business, at, when I was younger, having my name was um, a little bit of a torture because I was like, why can't I just be Jennifer like everybody else? <laughs> but, but now um, you love it. But now, you know, in business, there's only one. So I'm not forgotten in, in all the years I've been in the modeling industry. It's kind of like Madonna. Madonna, Cher, Oprah, I'll take it. <laughs> Perfect. So I have been following your career for the past 20 years, even though I don't think I've seen you for probably 25 or 30 years. You know, the other reason I'm so impressed is I'm sure that the modeling biz business here in Los Angeles isn't super easy. It must be really competitive. You compete against some of the biggest, you know, the big boys, Mm -hmm. and you've always been able to hold your own. So that's also been really, really impressive. But, you know, let's just get into it. What has been your, in your words, the biggest shift in the modeling industry in the last few years? It's really interesting. I I think one of the most important things in business is to be malleable and try to keep your finger on the pulse of things. I can attribute this to Mauna Loa, my mom, because she was, I remember vividly, even to this day, she was 100% um, confused and dumbfounded by the VCR and the ATM mm-hmm. when they emerged. Okay. And I thought to myself, you know, I never want to be to a certain age. And because for me, I was like, Mom, it's so easy. What's wrong with you? Right. You know, um, I, th- I thought I always need to keep up with things. And that was really important to me. So working in an industry that's primarily the office is mainly younger girls, the models are all y- mostly younger, um, definitely younger than me. You know, I would sort of learn about I think it's the first thing that popped up that I was like, what's this was MySpace. So I was like, Oh, you know, so then I started a MySpace account. So the best way to learn anything is by doing so I would encourage anyone to figure out how you can be connected, sign up, get involved and figure it out. That's the best way for you to understand anything new that's emerging. But um, yeah, it was MySpace and then it turned into Facebook and then, you know, then there was uh, Instagram and then there were some girls at the office. So, you know, back in the day we had subscriptions to magazines and we would read, you know, Crack the Vogue or, you know, see what was going on. But then I noticed all the young girls in the office were reading blogs. Right. And I was like, that's blog. not a real. Right. Yeah, I was like, that's not real news. What do you mean? And it's kind of like, what's a podcast? Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm learning by doing. Thank you, Valerie. There you go. Um, I came to respect this blogging thing. I started blogging. I was like, well, what am I going to blog about? I have a house in Palm Springs, an area that I love very much. So I started blogging about the desert. I just started giving as a local my local recommendations and my blog people would stop me on the street they knew who I was I have no idea and love your blog and this and that and yeah it was like wow this is really cool so when something feels uncomfortable you just kind of jump in and try it you have to jump in and try that's the only way to I always call it exercising a muscle I mean that's the only way for you to get comfortable with something get strong with it understand it know your way around it and so all of that has been helpful with with new, of course, because then in, when Instagram came around, it was something that rocked our world as of an course. industry. I'm sure. Yeah. It suddenly made the models um, 
100% accessible via the DM yeah. <laughs> uh, to everybody. And it's definitely a resume. We call it a resume because, you know, clients look at it. And oh, but that's, that's interesting because ma- the, then people are able to go around you to that's find right. your, oh, Yeah, so that, um, I definitely think our role for a while, I don't know if it was permanently diminished. I'm not going to say permanently, but I had to rethink it. And it also did and has caused different type of communication and relationship that us agents have with models, which I don't love because I love the old school way of the model and, you know, and the, and the agent having a relationship and us knowing each other and us being in a partnership together, mm-hmm. um, which I think I have with Faux, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, models like Faux, there are some girls that I've repped for pre-Instagram right. um, who I have those relationships with and they really fill me up and make me feel... Um, they just really make me feel connected to why I got into this business. Right. There's um, got to be a really nice level of trust with your with the with the women you represent. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's hard when you have all this noise and all these people commenting at you and direct messaging you and telling you things for a young spirit to process all of that. So in the beginning, Instagram was really troubling. Um, we didn't even kind of realize what was happening as it was happening, and clients were using this new medium to get basically free advertising because they'd send the girls a dress or and say, will you post? And, you know, we had to really like strongly um, encourage the girls to value their image and to realize that they need to get paid for that. Clients were fiercely trying not to pay and we were fiercely trying to get them to pay. Now I think the um, social media is 100% established as a viable uh, usage, like a billboard or an ad in a magazine. I actually think it's probably the most um, effective form of advertising today because you reach a lot of eyeballs quickly. You don't have to hope someone drives down that street and sees your billboard or picks up that magazine. I mean, it really is available worldwide. Right. It's the most effective usage, and I think at this point everyone understands this, including the models. I think the models are really mm-hmm. getting to the point where they understand that this is... Well, there's almost like a clear delineation between being a model and an influencer, right? In a sense, or is it? are the lines starting to blur? It's now starting to blur, I feel yeah? like. Yeah, I would kind say, of, in a sense. We yeah. try to, for models, I don't think the fashion industry is 100% behind using influencers. They want to use models. So we try to encourage girls to maintain their beautiful fashion model persona. Right. Um, But at the same time, utilize their social media in a smart way where they, because clients book girls with followers, you know, so you still want to Oh, interesting. Do that influencer that, So that thing? makes them more valuable, obviously. It, it's, it's a, I call it a free PR marketing tool <laughs> right. that every girl should use. Right. I think for it to resonate and for you to actually get those true followers um, that really do hang on your every word and want to wear what you're wearing and want to know what you're eating and where you're going, you have to show an authentic side of yourself. If you're constantly doing booty shots and retouching the heck out of your pictures and, and not showing anything real and, and getting yeah. freebies and posting diet tea. Diet tea for me oh. is the kiss of death. I'm like, do <laughs> not ever do a diet tea. Like, what's wrong with you? No. You can see through that. So I think that's what people really love about Faux is that, you know, I love watching her stories. I like wake up in the morning and, you know, whatever she's... How many years have you guys worked together? 10 years this mm-hmm. year. Oh it's my It's a 10-year anniversary. Yeah. Wow. It yeah. really is like a family. We're going to get yeah. into your family style of uh, managing. So okay. So yeah. hold on to that because I want to talk about that a bit. 
So I think our agencies have actually done, we've crossed paths a few times over yeah. the years, even though we haven't seen each other. And, I, you know, for, for a long time, it felt really kind of strange and weird in modeling sessions because, you know, it's kind of a, a bizarre thing to sit in a room and, you know, girls come in and you're kind of sitting there judging everything, judging how they look, judging yeah. how, you know, their physique. And I have to tell you, though, that the conversations from my clients have really, you know, started to change over the, the past few years. And, you know, what I'm starting to hear is that the clients don't want girls that are as perfect. You know, they will reject girls that, you know, feel too perfect. And so it's really refreshing to me just because it was always, it always felt strange to, to be judging on that. I'm like, but, but she was really nice or, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, she really had a great <laughs> smile. And so it seems like, you know, that's, that's really where, where we're going. So that makes me really happy. So Kenya, I know that you have um, open casting calls. Is that once a week? We have it three days a week. Three days a week. Mm -hmm. And what do you look for um, when somebody walks through the doors? Increasingly, it's changing. We just um, took took on a girl who's very curvy, but a dancer, and she's very active. And she has a buzz cut and tattoos. So are you almost looking for someone who's just really different than everybody else? I want to meet this person. Yeah, and she's getting booked by like Nike and all these cool brands. So brands are just like really, really surprising us every day. So... I think that's changing as brands open up their minds and their casting briefs become more varied and interesting. Um, but for the most part, I think there are some classic things we look for. Um, obviously, there's models need to be have a certain height, bone structure, personality is really important. Right. Sometimes we'll meet someone, they have potential, but they have things to work on. Sometimes those people come back after they've worked on them. Sometimes they don't. And that's when you know when they come back that they're really serious and that they're, you know, um, because we put a lot of effort into developing models. So it's a business after all. If I don't have models to manage and send out, then what am I doing there? Right. And do models come to you at the age of 18? No, they come in. We like starting girls younger while they're in school. Uh, Most clients are very respectful of having castings after school. Um, teachers on set obviously is the law. Of course. Um, so, so what age is kind of the perfect? Ideally, perfect age to start is around 14, 15. Okay. Because they're in school, modeling is not such a pressure. They have time yeah. while they're focusing on their education to learn the craft of modeling and figure out if it's really for them. Okay, so Kenya, before we get um, too deep into what you do today, I want a, a very brief history on you. So I want to hear a tiny bit about your childhood. I feel very fortunate that I grew up in um, Hollywood. I say Hollywood, it's actually Los Feliz, but no one knew where that was until it became a hipster capital USA, and it's Los Feliz and everyone knows, but basically Hollywood, um, which was a true melting pot. And I just feel really lucky. I really had no idea until I went to college Um, that anyone would look at me differently or treat me differently because of the color of my skin. I had no idea. And so therefore, I don't think I had any of those fears or stresses ingrained into the core of who I am as a person. The first time I had a couple of experiences, it, you know, crushed me. I was not prepared at all. But in the end, I'm grateful for that. All of our friends were, I mean, one of my best friends had blonde hair, blue eyes. One was Filipino, one was Mexican, the gamut. That's how I remember my childhood, too. And we just didn't ever have conversations or look at things in any way other than we were just Hollywood kids running around, you know. So and your family was so cute and supportive and it was your house was always the fun house to go to. Our house was an open door. A um, couple of things that I really love about my parents um, First of all, I love where they raised us, and my father was a doctor. His um, residence, he was at Cedar sinai 
He had a very eclectic um, clientele, lots of music industry people. My mom was a hairdresser. She did the hair for the Supremes. So they traveled together. She did the hair and he was the doctor oh my gosh, on tour. So cool. They went around everywhere um, and um, traveled the world. And the, the house was just always filled with colorful people. I'm the same way. Like I always want people at my house and entertaining. And I, I learned that from them. Food, pot of food on the table or on the stove was always available for anyone who came in. Very, very generous people. So I love that I, I got that from my parents. My parents at that time had a lot of money and then lost everything. Right. And of course, I'm not happy about that. But I also feel the benefit of the fact that I had to ultimately, no one has given me Adjust, anything. Right, right. I had to adjust, and I know I didn't you even built it on, You built it on your own. I had to, yeah. So I'm proud of that. I mean, it was hard what happened in my family, but I have no ill feelings towards them at all, and the struggles were real. But right. um, but they put, I always like to say, they put hairs on my chest. Right, <laughs> made me strong, you know what I mean? So, so I'm all good. It's all good. I remember um, when we were kids um, that something terrible happened to your dad, um, can you tell us a bit about that story? Yeah. So my father was going to play tennis with Mary Wilson of the Supreme's husband. My mom had a Cougar, which was a sports car back then, convertible Cougar. And my brother, my oldest brother and my mom's brother, they were driving my mom's car. Now here's two black boys driving around LA in a really expensive you know, sports car. So they got pulled over just so happened that my father and Pedro were driving by going to play tennis. And Pedro said, isn't that, isn't that Sparky? And we used to call my brother Sparky. And uh, he said, yeah. So he pulled over, my dad pulled over. And he said, um, you know, very respectfully, excuse me, officers. Um, that's my son. This is my wife's car. I'm Dr. Avery. It was an immediate, you know, step away from the scene. Very combative. The relationship that the LAPD at the time and I don't, I'm hoping it's gotten better, um, but it was really bad back then, really bad. And um, they just, and if, you know, the reason my grandfather moved my dad in particular and all of his children from Georgia to the motherland of California was because he's like, all my sons are going to be murdered and strung up on trees if we stay here. So they, my dad would not back down from anyone is what I'm trying to say. So he was just like, hang on, that's my son. What is going on? This is my car. What is the problem? It's not stolen. Like what? So they ended up putting my dad into a chokehold and drug him through the dirt. And that chokehold permanently gave him permanent nerve damage in his um, like his back and his neck, basically. And when you're a surgeon for hours, you have to have incredible dexterity and strength to look down over someone and perform surgery. So my dad actually lost his ability to be a surgeon after that. They oh had gosh. nurses oh. that were holding his chin up while he, like giving him so he could rest his chin so that he could perform sur- surgeries. And it just wasn't sustainable. He ended up giving so up awful. his practice. Yeah. Is And you mentioned that's not allowed anymore? Is no, because of my dad. Because of your dad? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, oh my that's gosh. Incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. I, definitely state of California. I don't know if it's, it's probably a nationwide thing at this point. So, um, wow. yeah. So he ended up suing the LAPD, Johnny Cochran, who, who he gave his, my father gave him his first big case that put him on the map was his lawyer. Wow. Um, it was a very, it was on the news. Yeah. And it, it just was a life changer. He, sure. he lost his, hence when I say we lost everything, he ended up fighting and he was just so 
hurt and bitter about the whole thing. He just couldn't recover. And yeah, he ended up, we ended up living off of all of his assets for as long as we could. And in the end, yeah, yeah, it it was what it was. Yeah. So how has that really scary um, event kind of shaped who you are today? And, you know, how has it affected you long term? I definitely try to be my own therapist and really like have conversations with myself to make sure I'm like, I'm like, I have to be damaged in some way from all of this. But I think I've done a good job of putting things in their place and being resilient, bouncing back and making your dad proud. Yeah. And what you said about me being positive, actually, that really means a lot to me because I do always try to come from a place of hope in any situation. We've got, otherwise, what are we going to do? Sit there and wallow in misery? That does nobody any good. So coming from a place of hope and being positive, seeing the good side of things, moving on, putting things to bed, not harboring things. Like my dad, he could not let that thing go, and I saw it destroyed him. So I think that's something that we should all do in life. You know what? Not every day is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Take the lesson and move on with hope and positivity. And I'm sorry to hear that he's since passed away, right? Yeah. But he lived out the last six months of his life in, in my house in Palm Springs. We had a great time. So <laughs> I'm so that. grateful that. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So we're going to fast forward. Um, so after college, um, your first job, you were at Elite Modeling Agency for a while. What did you do there? I started out as an assistant in the back. It was very dungeon-like. There were no uh, windows or anything. I believe every person should start from the bottom in any business. Um, I think that there is an epidemic of young kids today that immediately want to be the CEO. (laughs) Entitlement. And it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, we really have to start at the bottom. And when I meet a young person who works for me and they don't have that attitude and they actually take direction and they just, they want to work hard and, you know, and there's a loyalty There's nothing better, right? There's nothing better. And I have made calls and I have help them get other jobs and do other things in the future. Because when you meet young people like that, you're like, you know. They stand out. They stand out. They stand out. 100%. So, yeah, I started that way. And I I had a real tough boss. She was very old school. um, And I... Do you believe that the toughest bosses are the ones that teach you the most? Yeah, I do. Because, yeah, because <laughs> I, 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 when I started the agency, I was a kill em with, con- I didn't really realize, I mean, I was 26. Wait, how long were you at, Le- at Elite? Five years. So you literally like sat there and learned their whole business and then just went and opened your own? Well, what happened was my <laughs> tough as nails boss ended up firing my, my closest coworker at the time in a really unnecessary, brutal way. So when she left, we sort of talked about maybe we should open our own thing. And I was filled with complete naivety. Na- naivety. Na- naivety. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I didn't really know what I was signing up for. Um, owning a business and also being a boss. I would say being a boss is the toughest part of my day. It's so you left when she got fired, and you guys started. That. And you guys started the yes. agency. And then a year in, That's so she bold. left. Because she wanted to be a mom and she had been struggling getting pregnant. So I couldn't say anything negative about that reason. But I was like, you're leaving now. I mean, I was literally up. I was like above my head in debt, swimming in debt and everything. Because we really, we had a business plan. We had no idea. And so, yeah, I just, it was sort of like sink or swim. And I, I learned so much about 
you know, running a company. And so you took this huge risk and you left, you know, with her and then a year in she left. Yeah. And so you had to figure out how to do it on your own. That's right. You know, I was in my early to mid twenties, you know, got married and then opened this business. Did the stress of the new business put a strain on your relationship? No. Um, if anything, I mean, I, I, I'm so grateful for him. I couldn't have done it without him. He was really supportive, really chill about everything too. Cause it was, you know, we'd come home at night and just unplug the phone. Cause it was like creditors at that time when creditors are calling all the time. I mean, it was, you know, I had, I had pristine credit when I went into it and I used that to survive. Credit is the most important thing you can possibly, it's, it should be cherished and protected fiercely. Cause it, you know, it gives you a lot of opportunities. You can survive on it and you can also change your life and grow and with it as well. Sure. It's the best thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you opened this agency um, mm-hmm. with your partner. I want to understand, how did you get your first model to sign with you? How did that work? We were fortunate enough that 25 girls ended up leaving Elite and coming with us. Oh, my gosh. Brand new agency. Because yeah, they and, just loved you guys. Yeah, we, so we had, so that's where 25 our, girls? Mm-hmm. It was like like instantly you were put on the map. Yeah, not at the, they, they kind of, some immediate, some trickled over. Um, oh, my gosh. And uh, so, yeah, we were fortunate in that in that way. But the hardest thing as a new company that we weren't prepared for, because, you know, Elite Models at that time was, I think, the sec- third oldest big agency in the world. When you're a new company that no one's ever heard of, you don't get the same calls. You know, people don't automatically come in for a shoot from Paris and know right. to call your agency looking right. for models. That was something we, we didn't anticipate. So... When you start a new business, you know, the, the most important thing, there's a couple of very, very, very important things. One's your reputation. So the reputation we had with the models and the way we treated them at Elite is what compelled them to, to follow us, which was great. I protect the reputation of the agency fiercely. If I hear anyone... I want to tell you something. I want to stop you and tell you that you your reputation is incredible. So I just want you to know that whatever you've done, it's incredible. Thank and kudos you. to you for that. The one great thing about protecting your reputation and making sure you always honor that is if you do get in a little snafu with someone that you can't avoid because things happen, you know that your reputation will protect you. Of course. You know, no matter what, when people hear a rumor or they, you know, or they hear another side of the story that doesn't maybe flatter you, the person listening, if they know you, they're going to say, no, that doesn't sound like her, you right. know? Uh-huh. So reputation is really, really, and really you're, important. And you're probably in an industry where a lot of shady things can go down. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, there's no, there's no rules, yeah. you know, there's no, it's not the kind of industry where there's, I mean, you have to have a talent license, but it's very easy for people to get into the industry and really be managing people's lives, which is a little scary. And why people, fortunately for the internet now too, they can do so much more research, but making your choice of an agency and who you work with is is really important. And were you the first to sign Paris Hilton as a model? She was with an agency. Um, she was actually with Donald Trump's agency oh, in right. New York. Um, I didn't know he family had, friends. had an agency. He did have an agency, but she really wanted, his agency was in New York and she really wanted to be in LA. So that's how I got to take her on. And I really did the heavy lifting and grew her career in the beginning. Any uh, big campaigns that stand out that you're really proud of Um, or brands that you love working with? I have to say, you know, back when Guess was very iconic, um, I booked Paris on Guess. I booked many girls on Guess, which was always a really proud thing. So where did you get the spark for the name New Models? 
which means we in French. So, which I studied French in high school, and my ex-partner's business partner's husband was French, and she spoke French too. And we thought, oh, it sounds so, it's new. It's like a double entendre, you know, or like. I thought maybe it had something to do with your family style of management, maybe this idea of we and how we do things. That was a part of, I mean, that's definitely a part of it, but it started with the way you know, when we were at Elite, big company, I think the name on the door and the company's competition at the time, they had a model competition and what that company needed, like every girl to be signed with all other offices around the world, even if maybe the office in a certain market wasn't as strong, the girl had to be with the agency worldwide. To me, that felt like it was benefiting the agency more than it was benefiting the girl. So we being independent and being free to work with whoever we wanted, whichever agency in in a market we wanted to, we felt like we were offering our models the opportunity to be with whoever was most excited about them and give them more freedom of choice. And we as a team were working together to expand their horizons in the best possible way. So that was really kind of the thinking behind it and foe for you this you know this idea of managing family style what does it mean to you i mean she's super transparent she lets me know like right off the bat she'll call me like listen like this is we <laughs> just have a conversation you, she calls you on your shit oh she'll call me on my shit she'll call you know clients on their shit you know like she's just someone who's like no hustle and bustle like just get down to it straightforward and i love that and i've been with kina for 10 years and she's believed in me when you know like literally no one believed in me and i thought i would go back to being a preschool teacher so it was one of those things so yeah she's she i feel like i'm a family with them you know so it's it's a true family i will say about foe though you know i can't do my job if the talent isn't exceptional and the reason i got on a plane and flew to new york and offered her a contract on tyra's talk show it was a surprise I saw I it. My eyes. Um, yeah. I was watching when it happened. <laughs> so. Was because of her presence and her energy that shined even back then on that, and that's natural. What She's, year was that? Two thousand nine. You know, she—I call it an X factor. She was not trained. She was on a national, international TV show, um, coming from a you know a small town. Where are you from originally? I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you know when I would I would always watch the show. And um, and when I wanted to represent a girl, I was always rooting for them not to win. Yes. <laughs> because the winner got a contract with whatever agency was, was sponsoring elite. them. So how'd you get on the show? Because you were friends with Tyra? Or? Um, I, well, she went to our high school. Oh, that's but right. I watched the show. If I saw, I, I can scout anywhere. I could go out and be in the supermarket. I've scouted a girl. I've been out to dinner. You know, I would look at the show and say, who do I, who am I interested in? So I kind of reached out and developed a relationship with her show and went on her talk show several times. And in this instance, I said I really wanted to represent Faux. And they invited me to come on the talk show and give the, you know, announce it on the show, which was really exciting. Amazing. So, yeah, I was really happy when she didn't win. (laughs) Yeah, I was, yes. I am too. I'm glad I didn't win. (laughs) So you had um, quite a big snag that happened um, in your company. You um, tried to expand to offer a men's division and a commercial division, but it didn't work out. So tell us, um, you know, how did that kind of affect you? Because it was obviously a big step to kind of move towards doing that. And then you had to kind of retract. Yeah. Um, The the men's division went on for 10 years. um, And the guy who ran it, he ended up opening his own agency. And the commercial division, I just closed. So I think I got the benefit of having those divisions. 
But the struggle was that's not what I do. So I relied on someone else to run those departments. So you um, went back to what you were good at, what, you, what was true to you. Yeah, I feel, I mean, my department, the women's department, well, this is what I love about the modeling business. Women have always commanded a higher salary than men. So my department always did. One of the few. One of the few, yes. My department was making most of the money anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm confident that all of my attention can be focused on this division now. And um, I don't feel any loss from it. I learned from it. I started those companies in a day. I was like, sure, let's do it. Right. You know, David got fired from Wilhelmina, and he came. That's the, who ran the men's division. No business and planned. Let's just come no. out and start, let's just start a business. No, decided that day. Mm-hmm. And a woman it. who had had her own commercial agency, and she called me. She was still in rehab, but she was a notoriously amazing agent. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sometimes and that's how it works. Well, I always just think, well, what do I have to lose? What's the worst that can happen? You close it. Or just try. Just yeah. Try what's, and, if, mm-hmm. and, and people should ask that in any new thing they endeavor. Right. What's the worst that can happen? What's well, interesting. I have some people who come on the podcast that are all about planning and organizing and business plans. And, you know, it has to be VC backed. And there's others that just come on and like, you know, we're just going to do it. We're just going to open it. We're just going to try it. And that's a little bit more in my spirit. So that, yeah. that really resonates mm-hmm. with me. I think it's hard for any business plan to be actually accurate. How can anyone predict the future? (laughs) So let's throw that out the window. (laughs) So what was that moment where you um, really felt like you found success? At what moment um, in the agency did you feel like, wow, you know, we've kind of made it. We're kind of a, a real player. I have two answers. Okay. So as I mentioned before, I was up to my neck in debt and... We were. I had a really good person working in my accounting, and she was really good at like saving and paying off things. Thank goodness for her, because I am not good at that. And um, I kept saying, you know, as we would we pay off one credit card and close it down, and paid off. I got a small business loan to buy out my business partner, paid that off. So I kept saying, I can't wait to be at zero. I can't wait to just be broke, not in the negative, just broke. Right. So the day I was broke, I went out to El Coyote, which was like my was my favorite, like it's still one of my favorite Mexican restaurants with great margaritas. And we celebrated the fact that I was just plain broke. I love it. And that was a great feeling. And I really don't just not in debt. Not in debt. Broke. Just broke. Just zero. Broke. Yeah. I'm just broke. I'm at zero and now mm-hmm. all you can do is go up. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the day I turned broke, I remember it vividly. It was a celebration. And then the house is the second thing where I really felt like I'd made it. My CPA came to me and was like, you know, you've got, I was just amassing this savings account because I was so afraid of being broke or negative or whatever. And it got to the point where he's like, this money sitting here is not doing anything for you. So he had you buy some real estate. Yes. So I looked in LA at the time and it was high to the market, which it always seems to be pretty much in LA. I always say there's always someone with more money than you down the road. I mean, it's just, you know, it's that kind of town. And, um, that's why I ended up settling. It was just a depressing situation. A dump in a bad neighborhood was a million dollars. But um, yeah, that's why I ended up settling in Palm Springs, which um, I just go to on the weekends. And it's really saved me because I couldn't be away from the office that much, but I could go on the weekends and really like just feel like I was going on vacation every weekend. And it really, it's an area that really saved me. I 
I made some great relationships. Do you go there. every weekend? Yeah, I go every weekend. Yeah, she's, have, out, uh, she's out the clock, out the door, but yeah. she's like on their way to public. Well, I have another business there now, so I kind of ruined yeah. my. Uh, yeah, well, so let's talk about. You just mentioned another kind of major shift. You um, you're running this very successful um, modeling agency, and then you've decided to open a second kind of business that you don't know much about, but just decided to just go for it again. So this What's is a the worst big that shift. Can happen, right? Yeah, this is a big shift. So <laughs> tell us, um, you know, what was the spark for this idea and tell us a bit about that business so um my the spark was my now second husband he's moroccan and his family owns one of the top rug shops in the souk in marrakesh it kind of started with him we started this business together but he was there he was kind of getting the rugs all together and then i was doing it was mainly web business but we needed things to ship from the u.s i was kind of organizing things on this end actually looking back i don't know how i did all of that it's crazy um, and it just grew once he finally came here. We have we have a pretty big store now. And I'm big, super big excited to visit. And... So it's called Suki Modern. Yes, it's called Suki Modern. What's I... the website so people can check it out? Suki, like the Suk of Marrakesh, S-O-U-K-I-E, modern.com. It's and it's really website. fun. You guys have gorgeous stuff. It's fun. That that doesn't feel like a job at all. Like I love decor, decorating. So when you go to Palm Springs, you go to work or no? I mean, you just pop in. I pop in. Okay. Yeah, I pop the rosé <laughs> bottles in the shop, you know, like just hanging out. I I'm I'm there, but uh but mainly types running that. All right. So Kenya, if I had to ask you one thing that you would hope to pass on to a younger generation who's listening, what would it be? Just one thing. Don't believe in fairy tales. Meaning? I just feel like young, I guess girls in particular, but I guess it also is, you know, boys and how they view their place in a woman's life. I feel like a young girl needs to hopefully grow up feeling like I'm going to be able to take care of myself and then meeting that life partner is the icing on the cake. And the fairy tale was really like, well, I'm going to go to school, but a lot of more back in the day, I guess, kind of things, but a girl went to college to find her husband. That is so ridiculous. Because first of all, between that late teens, early 20s time in your life to 30, 40 years old, we turn into how many different people? Hopefully we evolve, right? And change and grow and learn. So that fairy tale is something that needs to stop. And I guess it is stopping the movement right now and everything that's happening is so positive. The flip side though, is that it turns some men off in a way Mm -hmm. so like a woman has to be able to strike a balance of being independent but also respecting that in their relationship which i'm all about nico knows nico knows my husband knows he's like i'm independent he's like she's got her own she does her yeah so i totally gotta find the right one that can deal with that that can handle you yeah so i'm not saying be so independent that you don't know how to be in a relationship but i just would encourage you know young people in general to live the earlier parts of their you know, lives on their own. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? That's right. <laughs> that's can, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, don't put yourself in any danger, but take chances. You know, be out there in the world. It really drives me crazy with the modeling industry. Um, you know, most Americans don't have a passport. Yeah. And they just don't go anywhere. And, um, I think that it's harder. I know it's it's harder for me to find young girls that want to travel and see the world, which mm. used to be one of the perks and assets of being a model was that you could actually get the education right. of being world, mm-hmm. you know, very worldly and, and see monuments with your own eyes, hear languages with your own ears, 
eat the food, you know, that's in certain So places. do you travel a lot? Oh, a lot. How a many lot. countries have you visited? I just had to get a new passport. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think last year I visited five Beautiful. or six. But then I've also added on this year. I added on, I went to Morocco. Which Amazing. Was, so yeah, I do, I, to rebuttal off that, I 100% believe that you will never find who you really are. I went soul searching. I went to South Africa for, you know, almost like four or five months and I found myself and I totally think that women and men should 100% start with themselves and then work their way out. Agreed. Yes. So Kenya, how have you redefined success for yourself? What's next for you? Oh, I have a zillion ideas a minute. That's my biggest problem. I always say, this is my private jet idea. This is going to give me a private jet. <laughs> the PJ. Uh, this is going to give me PJ. a PJ. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're right. I'm not done. But um, my idea of success now, um, I want to feel, I think we everyone wants to feel safe and secure, be able, we can be able to take care of ourselves and our family. I mean, even just doing something like this, being asked, makes me feel successful. So thank you. Okay. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I agree. So, with that. Um, Kenya, what is your kind of actionable advice for foe sitting here? Like, what's next for her? I mean, I tell her all the time. I think we're at such a great. The timing is right in our world for a girl with freckles. Back in the day, a girl with freckles couldn't get a beauty contract. Wow. Gap in the teeth. You need to close up that gap in mm-hmm. your teeth. Um, you know, curvy. ethnic girls, curvy. Curves, yeah. And also, so it's a really, really great time. But I think, um, I think that there's so much more that, you know, folk can do in terms of being a personality, helping people mess, you know, having a message, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the kind of thing that we're working on now. So I think it's kind of timeless. You could keep going and growing in that. So just keep to. doing what she's doing. Keep yeah. doing you, boo. That's keep right. Doing you. <laughs> they, all, they all come flocking to you. Yeah. So, yes. Awesome. I agree with her. So, Fo, any um, interesting or fun campaigns or shoots coming up in the near future? Um. So, actually, I just had Tommy Hilfiger just booked me on a great campaign. It was for Body Advocate. So, that was really cool. I have my own little video. But I actually just shot Playboy. Wow. And, nice. And from... Playboy has changed so much. It's now like a woman, quote, woman's magazine now. It's beautiful photos, really tasteful. So that was a huge thing for me. And I want people to know when when I did this, I solely did it out of empowerment. I want to feel, I was liberated as to the gods. I was just like, <laughs> take it off. My, you know, it wasn't taking off the clothes. It was just being my natural self in an, an um, open environment. So it was, that to me is going to be really good. Well, we're looking forward to checking it yeah. out. Miss April 2019. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you have any other questions for Fo? Yeah, I do. Um, my question is, uh, what's on your vision board for the next five years? I think for me is the momentum, um, just to kind of keep that strong womanly bond and male bond, um, trans, whatever you want to be. I want to keep that very strong. And I mean, I would love to have babies. Um, my husband wants babies like yesterday. So so that's that. But I think just being who I am and just kind of not expecting anything, not being entitled, not like I should have gotten that job. Like I just want to keep a clear mind. So I think that's my vision is just kind of being clear-minded, open-minded, travel savvy. Yeah, I just want to keep going. I want to see where this goes. I want to be you know, 65 in the model. 
Awesome. Well, I want to thank both of you for being here today on She Dynasty. I think you are both incredible inspiration. I know everyone who's listening is going to learn so much from this interview. Excited. And I love to see the dynamic between you guys. And Kenya, thank you again for being an incredible role model to me as a child mm-hmm. and now even as an adult because I, awesome. again, have been following your career. So we're thank super you. excited to see what's next for both of you. I'm excited. Yeah, it's <laughs> very exciting. It's a good time. It's a very good time. You know, the world can be a little bit troubling at times, so we need these kind of moments to, you know, put our feet on the ground. And and women us, like you yes, to be a voice right. of reason, because I always say, like, if I can be a voice of voice for someone who doesn't have a voice or just uplift and amplify the voices that are. Yeah. So you're doing exactly that. So thank it's you for having us. Uplift yes. and amplify. That's exactly like what that. I'm trying to do. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing right now. That's so right. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you.